good evening, everyone, or good morning, or good afternoon, whatever the case may be, on this rotating globe, spinning around the sun at 18 and a half miles per second, and down through the galaxy toward the Lyra constellation at about 200 plus miles per second. Welcome to the other side of midnight, you know, that kind of magical time where this time of night we talk about things that uh, normally would be the things that go bump in the night. Well, as I've said on many, 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 many shows, all that stuff has kind of been trashed, tossed in the ash can because the weirdness is now spread from nighttime to daytime. We're going to talk about all kinds of interesting weirdness tonight, and we're going to try to paint you a picture, A, of what the weirdness is, you know, the real signal and the noise, and B, how you can help figure it out yourself. We're going to talk about how do you separate the internet nonsense, the mainstream media nonsense, the nonsense in general, the fake news. You know, if we only have one thing to thank Trump for, it will be for bringing to public uh, approbation the concept of fake news. Because before that was kind of mainstreamed, um, the world was divided into two camps, you know, mainstream, reliable, institutional stuff, and then that alternative stuff that was, I mean, remember what they did to President Kennedy's uh, former press secretary, Pierre Salinger, when he tried to bring up uh, uh, data in the uh, mainstream news that he had posted first on the Internet and the incredible trashing of the Internet? That went on for years and years and years. Well, people are now becoming more, uh, shall we say, discerning. But we're going to talk about tonight how that discernment can be honed and focused and, and narrowed down to where you can actually use a process to figure out real stuff from probably fake stuff. But there, there is a way to do this. It just it requires, as that old Marin joke says, uh, that the light bulb really want to change. Okay, let me, before I bring on uh, Dr. Farrell, give you a couple of highlights. We're going to talk about some of these things tonight. Um, earlier last year, in October last year, when the official Assassinations Committee deadline came and went and the uh, Kennedy assassination files were supposed to be thrown wide open, pending only the president standing, whatever president was going to be president, in 2017, standing in the doorway, you know, kind of clipping from an ancient history of uh, Wallace and Alabama, standing in the doorway, preventing the release of these 50-year-plus classified files. Well, as you may know, that did not happen the way it was supposed to. Trump did stand in the doorway and prevented the release of tens of thousands of files that should have all come out once saying that he would give the agencies, meaning, of course, the CIA, the NSA, the DIA, you know, the usual alphabet crowd, um, six months to get their act together and go through. I mean, they only had 50 years, but he gave them 50 years plus six months to get their act together and give him a list of the files that um, he could then release or would re release. Really kind of weird for a guy that comes in out of the cold, you know, the independent candidate beholden to to no one and uh suddenly he's you know the same guy who's been attacking these agencies for having hidden agendas suddenly is doing their bidding kind of peculiar anyway so the six months went by i mean can you believe it's been six months since last october 
feels like like decades given all that's happened. And so last Thursday, the next tranche was released. But again, not all of the files. Something like 19,000 new files were released. And we're going to talk about this uh, later in the show. But this is interesting. 500 have not been. Which makes 19,500. Oh my God, do you smell or see a ritual there? Anyway, that's one of the things we're going to talk about tonight. Who, who has basically got to Trump? Why is he waiting? In fact, what's really interesting is he says that he's going to release his other 500 to make for a complete 19.5 in three and a half years when he's out of the White House. Isn't that convenient? Isn't that interesting? Kind of like maybe the Eisenhower military-industrial complex speech. On the last day of his presidency, he releases these and then he gets out of town. Gets out of Dodge. Okay. If you go to the other side of midnight.com and you click on uh, that gorgeous graphic that has been created by Kinthea, the one that uh, talks about um, Joseph Farrell uh, for April 29th, click on that. That's our guest page for tonight. Scroll down and radio with pictures. Item number two NASA scientists are seeking now fossils from ancient life on Mars. And they're even saying things like, was there a common ancestor? Maybe we're all Martians. Oh, my God, are they late for the party or what? Because, of course, that's the topic of our new book. Remember, the imaging team, the Enterprise Imaging Team, consisting of, I'm not going to go through all the lists because we'll do a show and you can all talk to them again. We're trying to get this book out in the next couple of months, and it's called Hidden Mars, A War in Heaven. And in it, you will find the most remarkable documentation and evidence and scientific substantiation of the idea that we, not little teeny tiny microbes, which is, of course, what NASA is safely talking about. Remember, microbes don't hold ray guns, so they're not a threat. We're going to talk about the actual origin of Homo sapiens sapiens on the planet Mars with evidence provided by your friendly local neighborhood space agency, NASA, that they put out there, published, but they just don't, they just don't talk about it. So that's going to be part of the conversation tonight. Then we're going to talk about Bitcoin, and not necessarily all in this order. We did a Bitcoin show with Robert Harrison last night, and frankly, the more I look into the whole cryptocurrency thing, the more confused I get. And I'm not a person that's normally confused, as you may have noticed if you listen to me. For the last couple, three years on this show or in the decades previous on George and Art show, I'm usually able to kind of cut through the noise. But this whole cryptocurrency thing to me is, I mean, I was told last night in an email, oh, it's beyond understanding. Certainly your grandmother can't understand it. Well, that all automatically makes me very suspicious. Something which you can't understand means it's the purview of the priesthood. So uh, we know what that means. Anyway, we're going to talk about that tonight. And then finally, last but of course not least, we're going to talk about Korea. I mean, something really, really dramatic happened. And it happened on live CNN, which I happened to catch just by accident. I was, you know, getting ready to retire for the night. And I turned over and bingo, there was a close-up of the president of South Korea, hand-in-hand with the leader of North Korea, stepping over the boundary between North and South Korea, which is about a three-inch, you know, concrete or brick step, a line of 
bricks or concrete blocks in a line marking the demarcation between the new Koreas. Two, not new, two new, two. Well, maybe they're going to be new. Who knows? And I mean, it was, it was astonishing because then a few hours later, these two guys, President Moon from South Korea and Kim Jong-un from North Korea, they sit down at a very orchestrated signing ceremony and they sign a peace treaty after 65 years. My, 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 my father was a, was a veteran of World War II and I remember vividly on the radio hearing, because in those days, you know, when you heard on the radio, you kind of had pictures that go with it. I heard Eisenhower being uh, giving a speech at the Republican National Convention talking about how he was going to end the Korean War. I was very, very young. It was 1952, I think. I was born in 45, so I re that's, a, that's a memory. And now, after 65 years, because that conflict did not end in a treaty, a peace treaty. It ended in an armistice. We have been in a situation of war with North Korea for 65 years, all of which ended on paper a few days ago. I mean, this is really major stuff. At the same time that Kim Jong-un is saying he's going to renounce his nuclear tests and his ballistic missile tests, and Joseph has some interesting thoughts on why this is all happening at the same time, I have a feeling I have some divergent data, but we'll, we'll see. Anyway, Dr. Joseph Farrell has a doctorate in patristics. We'll happen to find patristics again. From the University of Oxford. Yes, that Oxford. And currently pursues research in physics, alternative history, science, and the strange stuff. Raised in South Dakota, Dr. Farrell has had a wide range of jobs and is currently a full-time author and researcher. His many books include, oh, deep breath for this, Hoagland, the Giza Death Star Trilogy, Reich and the Black Sun, the SS Brotherhood of the Bell, Nazi International, Secrets of the Unified Field, Roswell and the Reich, The Cosmic War, Grit of the Gods, Saucer Swastika and Psyops, Covert Wars and Breakaway Civilizations. I mean, I could go on like this all night, literally all night. So rather than do that, I will invite my friend and colleague, Dr. Joseph Farrell, to the other side of midnight. Joseph, welcome. Thanks for having me back on, Richard. Well, we have so much to get into. Uh, let's start with the Bitcoin stuff, because given that you <laughs> given that you wrote the book, you know, and coined a term which now has been making its way around the world without correct attribution to you, the banksters, I think we ought to give you a crack at the Bitcoin conversation of last night with Bob Harrison, because frankly... Bitcoin bothers me intensely, and after last night's show, it bothers me even more intensely. Even more. <laughs> what is your take? And we've got three hours, so take as much time to try to bring clarity to this murky, murky glass of milk. Uh, what the hell is cryptocurrency, and why is it arriving in the midst of our doorstep now, and why is it consuming more and more power plants? I mean, literally, I read mm -hmm. a news item, which is on last night's uh, Radio with Pictures, Someone's reactivated an old Australian coal-powered megawatt power plant just to power a Bitcoin cryptocurrency server system. This mm -hmm. is, as I said too many times last night, this is nuts. It is nuts. It is nuts. Oh, thank goodness. Okay, I feel better. Um, and I, let me make you feel better twice here because I'm with you, Richard. The more I look into this, the more confused I get. 
And, wow. You know, that goes that goes not only for you and me, but but our friend Catherine Fitz is in the same boat. Yeah, what is Catherine's take on this? Give people a background. Well, who, who is who is Catherine Fitz for this audience? Well, Catherine, that may not? Catherine Fitz, if you don't know her, she used to be the assistant secretary of housing and urban development. In other words, one step below a cabinet level position in the administration of, of George Herbert Walker Bush. And um, her take on this is kind of the same, and, and she and I have been trying to figure this out. And what we've come up with is really a very horrific scenario, if we're correct, and we hope we're not. Oh, dear. Um, the, the thing I want to start with is I want to have people remember that when cryptocurrencies started, there was this almost religious fervor in the statements of people that this was going to be the way to bypass central banks. Mm -hmm. This was going to be the way to absolutely make certain that the fiat monetized debt system of money that we've been living under for so long would finally end. And the more I look at it, Richard, I'm seeing the exact opposite. What I'm seeing is the Venetian uh, Banque Discreta, the, the banks of, of account on the Rialto in, in the old Republic of Venice, writ large and moved into a cyberspace realm. In other words, uh, all, of, all of the transactions, they're creating a system where all of the transactions are going to be in the cloud, and here comes the real kicker in space. So to us, you know, the way we've we've looked at this whole system is that number one, like all cyber systems, and I was saying this when it was really unpopular, I have to toot my own horn here, that all cyber systems are not secure. They're 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 liable to hacking and so on and so forth. And I was saying this a couple of years ago. Well, lo and behold, we have stories now where people are hacking into these crypto. Oh, I had a story on last night, which I probably should have moved over to tonight. Let, let's do that, Kintia. Let's move the hacker story back where it was. Somehow hackers got into one of these central server thingies for Bitcoin, I guess, and they stole yep. 150 yep. grand. Yep. Who yep. in their right mind, as I said last night, repeating myself, would trust in a digital virtual reality world where nothing can be counted on or discerned right. or understood as truth, why would you rest your money, your very livelihood, in a in a in a virtual reality realm? I mean, this is not so. And and in addition to this, let's look at something else. Cryptocurrencies, if you've been following them lately, are extremely volatile. Are you kidding? We were reading numbers <laughs> last night, and they were changing literally. I was getting a stream of numbers from Chris. They were changing every minute. Yeah, exactly. Now, my question is, if you're going to move all of, you know, if you're going to move to this kind of system, what kind of economic stability do you have? Well, the answer is none. None. What, what you've created is a system where you can maximize instability and maximize instant profits. So what we're looking at is a plot. As far it's got is, to be a plot. Yeah. Exactly. We're looking at what I call finance capitalism on steroids. <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Because Say that again slowly. <laughs> finance finance capitalism. <laughs> finance capitalism. Another yes. name that will ring an infamy that Joseph will never get credit for. <laughs> well, 
what we're looking at is is this idea that you make money by shuffling paper and, and doing paper transactions. Only now it's being done in cyberspace, in space-based platforms. And this is where my wait, suspicions wait, wait. When you come. say space-based platforms, define yeah. please. Well, what, what cryptocurrencies do is they have a distributed ledger. In other words, this is something that exists in the cloud. It's like an ebook, so to speak. Mm -hmm. It's it's out there in cyberspace. And this is where my problems oh, okay, with the okay. whole thing really begin. Because what you're doing is you're putting into the hands of the people that control the space-based platforms, you're you're putting in, in namely the central banks, you know, when we come right down to it, uh, you're putting into their hands a means and mechanisms of control and surveillance and monitoring of virtually every transaction. My God, this makes Facebook look like a Sunday school picnic. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's exactly what it is. And you're also creating another plat yet another platform for the finance capitalists to make money on producing exactly <laughs> nothing. <laughs> Do you so, remember that term from the 70s that came out when Silicon Valley was just getting going with Stephen mm -hmm. Jobs and whatever? It was called vaporware. Yeah. This is the ultimate, ultimate it vaporware. Is. It is. And look at what they're doing. They're, they're, supposedly, these cryptocurrencies are supposed to be absolutely certain in the amount of them in circulation because they start off with a limited number of bits or bitcoins in the cryptocurrency itself. So that the more people that buy into it, the value of, of each declining part as the parts get smaller, the value gets bigger. So in other words, you've you've built volatility into this system in a major way. And I, I just don't see how any any stability can come out of this whatsoever. As it's, I was saying last night, in the last 70, 75 years since the end of World War II, the mm -hmm. whole idea of cooperation between nation states has been to try to create stability. Right. And we've had stunning success. I mean, yes, there's there's you know grievances and extremes in all parts, and there's weirdness and there's you know collusion right. and there's all kinds of crapola. Nice phrase. But basically, the world has gotten richer, more stable, more people are more healthy, more people are richer. You know, the middle class has been expanding, except maybe here. And then mm -hmm. we have this entered into the equation, and it looks like a dagger in the heart of stability on a planet which has still got nuclear weapons and looking at people that want to add more, why do we need such instability? We don't. It looks like a plot. Well, as part of that plot, let me add two other factors that, that Catherine Fitz and I have been bandying around for the last few years. One thing that she has noticed is the effort or attempt to move all of the liabilities of, of sovereign nations, of sovereign debt, into the public sphere and to privatize, or as she likes to call it, piratize, <laughs> the, ass, the assets of those nations. So in other words, what you're looking at is a rape of Russia scenario on a truly global scale. And bitcoins, cryptocurrencies, would be tailor-made if you're planning that type of operation. This is coming at a time when we see efforts... Uh, across the board to to make a move for some sort of constitutional convention in the United States, and in her opinion, if I'm if I can summarize what what her opinion is, this is an attempt by the very people that 
that have stolen trillions of dollars over the years and by the very people that were part of the big bailouts in, in 2008, which everybody should remember the, the statements of, of the bankers in front of Congress. Well, we don't want and we can't accept any congressional oversight or monitoring. What, what, so wait, wait, hang on, words, hang on, hang on, hang on. Wasn't it Catherine who discovered just before 9-11 that the Defense Department had lost something like, I think, the staggering $3 trillion or something? Well, it's up to around $21 trillion oh at, at the last count. But it wasn't Catherine that discovered this. This was actually a statement made by Secretary of Defense Rumsfeld. The I TV thought she announced it first and then he confirmed it like she had inside. Well, she, she may have. I don't recall. I'd have to ask her. But, but yeah, it was an back. official announcement by the SecDef himself. Uh -huh. And then bingo. 9-11 happens. Yeah. Let's get back to the big scenario. If you have a constitutional convention, what I think you're trying to do here is walk away from your, your public responsibility because you can change virtually anything in the Constitution, including fed, federal budgetary uh, regulations and so on and so forth. And in fact, we've we've seen the the United States government walking away from constitutional budgetary process to begin with hang with on, all of these om, omnibus bills. Would would such a convention have the force of law or would it have to go to Congress for ratification no, a, a, or a the states? A convention of the states would have the force of law. So, you know, I tell So people, that means they would all have to agree. Can you imagine them agreeing well, on anything these days, including breakfast? Well, well, there's a worse thing than that, Richard, and that is let's recall that the Constitutional Convention of 1787 was in itself a kind of constitutional coup d'etat because what they were delegated to do was to amend and, and tinker with the Articles of Confederation. What they came up with was a whole new constitution. Now, if you have a constitutional convention, you are opening up to the possibility that you can shred the existing constitution, including the Bill of Rights and so on, mm -hmm. and come up with a completely new constitution. So I always pose the question to people who are advocating this as a means of, quote unquote, fixing the system. The problem is we've got to observe the constitution we have now. Do we want a political leadership class that consists of Hillary Clinton and mm -hmm. Jeb Bush and so on <laughs> and so forth coming up with a new constitution. Are these people of the same intellectual caliber as Alexander Hamilton or James <laughs> Madison? And, you know, my answer is clearly not. Well, all right, but all right, let's get real for a minute. Even if this cockamamie idea came to, to market, you know, Philadelphia mm -hmm. too, whatever, in the current political intensely polarized environment, Unless somehow the, the convention was packed, you could pack it with your delegates, they would be they would be deadlocked. There'd be it would it would not be like you know Philadelphia two and fifty hundred fifty years ago. They would not be able to agree on almost anything. Well, I suspect the opposite. I suspect it's already packed. The problem is is in the polarized climate, a a dramatic change of the constitution I think would result ultimately in in a crack up of of the union, and and we certainly don't want that. So, any way you slice could we be it, looking you know, at, a, at a real new uh, civil war? I mean, I know people on both sides who are so so angry at the other side. Yeah. 
Yeah, I, I agree with you, and it's it's frightening to me. And you know, the last thing we want to do in in this kind of context is is toy with the idea mm-hmm. of a constitutional convention. It would it would roll out of control very quickly. So, what is required to a make it happen or b stop it? Because it is a dumb idea. Oh my god! I believe I believe Richard the the current uh, status is it would require a a. 34 or 35 states, uh, state legislatures calling for such. And so the same as a constitutional amendment. Right. It it would require that. And I think we're only a few states short of that at this at this time. Um, You mean there are enough dummies in states that that's 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 nuts. That's so nuts. So it's almost like it's another plot. Well, remember, we've got states like California and, you know, New York and, and states like this where, where you have these these calls coming out. Do you really and, think and, Jerry Brown would be back of something like this? Oh, he's, sure he's, I do. He's not, he's not an idiot. He knows exactly what would happen. Oh, I think absolutely you'd have people like that behind it. You, you have to remember Hillary Clinton, Jeb Bush, all of these people have called for it. And this is the problem. Uh, our political class has been calling for this for some time and quietly pushing it. And like I say, do we really want to turn over a process like that to idiots like this? And, and you know, my answer is a profound and resounding no. <laughs> I certainly don't. Well, what kind of Republicans would be backing this? Or would they think that, you know, Trump would... Well, you know, essentially globalists, because again, I think the real the real plot here behind a constitutional convention is monetary in nature, just like it really was. If you go back and read the anti-federalist papers mm-hmm. uh, during the original Philadelphia Convention, the real problem here is money, and you've got a bunch of uh, globalists and, and people of this sort wanting to walk away from the from the sovereign debts and accrue and and prioritize quite literally prioritize the national the national assets into their own hands uh and this is this is connected with cryptocurrencies because there was just a conference last year in aspen colorado where they are outlining precisely this sort of thing you know privatize government pensions and all of this and that and the other and what they're really saying is you know we're going to walk away from our pension obligations our social security obligations and so on and so forth and leave the taxpayer footing the bill while we grab the assets the highways and the airports and so on and so forth so it's it's a rape of russia scenario folks Hmm. and we don't have any vladimir putin's in the wings to stop it unfortunately I just see I, I can I can see maybe you know putting myself in your in your perspective that there may be Democrats wanting this because they they well for some reason well, I they think would it's want Republicans it. too but it's also but what kind of Republicans because Republicans have basically been turned upside down in terms of a party and they're all identified with Trump and you know when it comes to state legislatures, uh, look at all these special elections, even in deep red places where mm-hmm. where formerly Republicans held sway. I mean, the gap narrowed from what? Uh, in Arizona, it was, uh, what, uh, what's his name, Romney, who took it by 25, and Trump took it by 21, and this Republican took it by less than six. Mm-hmm. So the trend curve, and it's not even, you know, because people don't show up for a midterm, well, not, sorry, not midterm, special election. They are going to show up between now and November, which means Arizona could go Democratic. If if it, people are it, looking at some kind of, of you know firewall, 
that firewall may be going away in November. It might, but my suspicion is you are going to have some sort of late September, October election surprise. Um, and I think it's going to come from the Republicans, but that's my suspicion. Like? It's, it's nothing more than that. Um, well, for one thing, we do have all of those indictments that are sealed. And if they unseal them, and it happens to include a lot of heavy-hitting Democratic pollsters and and fixers and you know political machinists and so on that could be that could be very telling in a, in a midterm election i don't know you know i'm just speculating there. what's holding up the uh release of those the the unsealing that is a good question and again i don't know but the, the problem is is I, as i said i suspect that that it could it could be part of a political plan to to unseal them right before the midterm elections take place i don't know that's mm. my suspicion well that would be one hell of an october surprise depending upon who's on the indictment list exactly exactly anyway um hold it there we're at the bottom of the hour my guest this morning is dr joseph farrell who coined two intriguing terms the banksters and uh, financial, uh, what was it, crap, uh, capitalism. I love that. Financial capitalism. You're on the other side of midnight. My name is Richard C. Hoagland. We shall return. first hour of the other side of midnight be sure to catch our complete live show every saturday and sunday night at 9 p.m pacific midnight eastern for a full three hours of this kind of exploration and be sure to visit the other side of midnight.com as you listen so you can follow our special radio with pictures guest page simultaneously the Kinthea, our hard-working producer specifically prepares to illustrate the topics discussed each show why because there is vital additional information on that Radio with Pictures guest page that I assure you will immeasurably enhance your understanding and enjoyment of what our guests are describing. I mean, would you rather listen to a guest talk about NASA images of ancient artifacts on Mars or simultaneously be able to follow the official NASA images showing you, as you're listening, the ruins? If you'd like to listen at your convenience to all our shows, including our unique Radio with Pictures feature, please visit midnight.com and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. Okay, what do you get with your Club 19.5 membership, besides helping the show literally stay on the air? Well, first of all, you will exclusively, this is not available to the general public, enjoy our enhanced ad-free podcast, courtesy of Chris Bell automatically downloading all the latest The Other Side of Midnight shows directly to your favorite podcast device so you can listen when you want to. Further, as a full Club 19.5 member, you will gain exclusive access to our The Other Side of Midnight 24-7 chat server, what I can't help calling the open hailing frequencies room 
which is available only to members 24-7. Now, during the show, that's where you will find other 19.5 members and sometimes even members of the Bridge crew, my guests, and even me uh, when I have time. Regardless, you can always relay live questions to me during the show just by going to the Open Hailing Frequencies room. Of course, when we're not on the air with your 19.5 membership, you can visit our Club 19.5 radio archives anytime and download all our shows directly to your computer, which will automatically provide you a screen size that allows you to really examine the remarkable images Kinthea posts for each show. Okay, <clears throat> here's where I need to get kind of super serious. Club 19.5 is how our show is currently solely supported. In my hopefully not vain attempt to keep commercials <clears throat> to a minimum, if you're concerned about keeping us on the air, if you want to hear information that has been vetted far more than perhaps any other show, the best way to ensure that is to join Club 19.5 and get your friends and family to join too. And if you don't know already, when I drop by open hailing frequencies, you can even ask me directly what the ultimate meaning is behind 19.5, literally the most exclusive club in the world. Please join me and my interesting guests on this very stream every Saturday and Sunday night at 9 p.m. Pacific, midnight Eastern, and be sure to come back and listen to our live three-hour shows. Thanks for listening, and now, back to the show. Welcome back to The Other Side of Midnight on this Sunday night, the 29th of April. April is the, what was that phrase? April is the cruelest month or something. Anyway, my guest tonight is Dr. Joseph Farrell. We're talking about the state of the planet because the planet's going somewhere. There's all kinds of extraordinary history-making things, both above board and behind the scenes. And what I want to do tonight is I want to kind of pull back the curtain on some of this behind-the-scenes stuff and show you, as part of our discussion over the next couple, three hours, how you can do it too. I mean, there's nothing really magical about this. It's basically grunt work. It's research. It's comparing sources. No single point failure. Joseph, welcome back. Thanks for having me. So where do we want to go next? Do we finish up the Bitcoin thing? Because to me, if it's a plot and it's designed to create instability, that can only mean one thing. Somebody wants war, somebody wants chaos, somebody wants the human race, just as about mm. its as it's about to grasp its real heritage and potential to mm. basically go down in a flaming cinder orbiting the sun. Well, part I think I think space is absolutely a central component of this because we've seen absolutely this push for the commercialization of space, asteroid mining, so on and so forth. And ultimately, you know, where where our economic resources go, our military resources go. Hang on, hang on, and, hang on. I, I see that as a very, very positive thing because as long as space has been under the thumb of governments, 
They could mm-hmm. control it. As soon as you mm-hmm. release the Musk of the world, the Bezos of the world, the you know the Arcid folks, uh, Google, whatever, mm-hmm. you know, you're going to get an incredible diversity. And by Musk doing what he's doing with conventional rockets, lowering the price. I mean, slashing the price of getting into orbit, as Robert Heinlein said. You know, once you're in orbit, you're halfway to anywhere. If you can slash that price as he's doing by a factor of a hundred, suddenly you open up the space frontier to quote a lot of ordinary folks who cannot be controlled and who are going to spill their their guts about what's really out there when they get out there. Well, this is true in one sense, but in the other sense, I think there's always a danger, Richard, and you and I have discussed this before, that when corporations get a hold of something, it can be considered proprietary. And this is what bothers me about particularly this the privatization of space, because if they find anything out there, they could conceivably clamp down on it and say, well, it's proprietary information, nobody's entitled. The other thing that bothers me is... Oh, wait, wait, hang on, hang on, hang on. Let's let's stop there. If they did that, how would that benefit them? In other words, at the moment, the only way they could capitalize on what's out Mm -hmm. there would be to broadcast it around the world, create incredible media spectacles, live explorations and all that. They would have billions Mm -hmm. of viewers. They would charge up the wazoo, you know, pay-per-play and all that. Sure. The other thing would be they would bring stuff home from the moon, from Mars, artifacts, technologies – and they'd have to be sold, in other words, for them to make any money. Perhaps, but the other thing is, if you if you discover technologies out there, this would be a way for individuals or private groups or private corporations to monopolize it, to develop it for themselves, and to well. But then you have I, other groups if, trying if to I, develop it for themselves, so you have if, competition. Well, if I can put it, if I can put it. Bluntly, what what they would do is they'd start playing the old global domination game. This is this is my fear with all of this, and even even if there's competition, it's going to be it's going to be of the sort of competition between Lockheed Martin and Boeing. You know. Well, <laughs> wait, 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 hang on, hang on. That's not axiomatically true. I've had on this show a guy named Dave Disler. Dave Disler is a radio engineer. Lives in Ohio. We raised thousands and thousands of dollars through this show for David to create a basically garage, Stephen Jobs type, M drive, which mm-hmm. he created with our financial help, with this audience financial help. It proved the M drive was real, not, you know, mm-hmm. airy fairy, you know, vaporware. And once you create an M drive, what you've done is A, liberated space from rockets, B, you've demonstrated the physics of space, of gravity control, of inertial control, is not what the textbooks say. And C, you provided the predicate for a private group like, oh, let's say this audience of this show, to build their own CubeSats, to put David's technology in the back, and take off and photograph close up what's on the moon. All in private, non-corporate hands. Well, my, uh, I, I guess we're going to have to agree to disagree here. My, my. <laughs> What's wrong with what is, I just said? What's wrong? Well, well. First of all, you know as well as I do that that the more launches you have, the more the more that the governments are going to crack down on on private launches for. Actually, it's been going reasons. the other way. Well, again, yeah, maybe. <laughs> 
I, I do recall some disturbing uh, comments about Elon Musk's launch, and he's already which, which one, which one, which one? The the Roadster launch. Oh, the fa- I loved it. Oh my, what genius! What absolute incredible genius! And you know what he put in the glove compartment? Yes, I do. I do. <laughs> I, I remember mean, we did a show. Remember? Okay. All right. Well, see that in itself is a message. Elon Musk, I think, is Shemsu Hor, which is this group, this shadowy group down through history, through thousands of years in this model. I mean, you can actually read it in the Egyptian texts. And who am I talking to? Egyptian texts. Come on, Joseph. The Shemsu Hor are dedicated to reestablishing all the old, really important principles. At least that's what's in their bylaws. So if Musk is one of them, The reason he's pushing so hard for a Mars colony is because he already knows what's on Mars. Do you know what I discovered just a few days ago? That my old friend and colleague and and, uh, icon, Jesley Bonstell, he knew. He wrote, he put it in his art. He knew, I love that Bic. He, He knew that it's on Mars and it's on the moon. I just found paintings of Chesley Bonstell of ancient, you know, structures on the moon in his paintings so if we get a musk to open up the price window where it costs one one hundredth of what it used to be to get into orbit and then we put together these anti-gravity drives like you know the 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 m drive is not the only one remember t townsend brown well sure i've got an inventor who's going to be presenting at a conference here in albuquerque in august as part of dr balone's panoply he's also invited me to present he's showing an actual working t townsend brown electrogravitic space drive mm-hmm. you put that in orbit and it's 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 you know it's point and point and click it's basically you can go any damn where you want to you can go to pluto and put this sucker into orbit in terms of three or four or five CubeSats, transmit the data back to Earth as a private group, and show those arcologies in stunning three-dimensional color. I'm sorry, Joseph, the lid is about to be removed, and they cannot, mixing our metaphors madly, stuff this genie back in the damn bottle. Well, I don't think they can stuff all of the genie back in the same bottle. Don't don't misunderstand me. But I do think that if we're expecting a, a golden age of openness and disclosure about all of this, I, I remain very pessimistic about that because you're you're still dealing with potential technologies here that, that could have very, very uh, global security implications, if I can put it that way. So I, I'm not expecting quite the same result that you are. Interesting. Because I, you know, it's like we used to say, it, you know, this, this game was like being a little bit pregnant. <laughs> you can't. It's, you're, it's binary. You're either pregnant or you're not pregnant. Once you have a break in the wall, once you have democracy for real, once you have ordinary folks able to, to you know, travel out there and uh, radio back, you know, what they are seeing. I'll give you an example. Musk wants to, his plan was last year to send two tourists, we apparently plunked down a big chunk of change, for a ride around the moon on a Falcon Heavy and in a Dragon spacecraft. And they would be taking pictures and broadcasting and doing social media and it's on Twitter and all that. Do you really think that could be somehow censored? What they see there, because I'm going to show in this workshop, we're going to talk about later in the show, that's building for the 7th of May, 
seven days in May, we're going to show people some astonishing things that are on the moon that amateurs on Earth have already photographed in mm -hmm. color. They just don't have a clue what they've got because it's so beyond their ken. And my job and the job of my other presenters is to show them that the database of confirmation of ancient ruins on the moon goes all the way back to Eisenhower and Kennedy. Sure. And Project Corona, which was so cutely, elegantly, punnily named. And this is why Kennedy was killed. By the way, Robert's going to talk about those 19,000, you know, minus the 500 documents in the third hour. So, I mean, we're on the cusp of such stunning freedom and democratization of information and the ability to not have to trust sources, but to basically go do this damn stuff ourselves after only 50 years of spaceflight. Well, I still remain pessimistic. <laughs> I, I will be glad. But you were to born pessimistic, Joseph. Yes, I know. But again, I, I go back to the fact that one way to keep things perfectly classified is to make them proprietary. Let's remember in those Majestic 12 documents, whether or not one agrees that they're authentic, there is a document where Nixon did this, allegedly privatized the Majestic 12 group. And the reason he did it was to keep things under an even tighter lock and key. So mm -hmm. I, I'm, I'm still a little skeptical, but by the same token, please don't misinterpret that to mean that I don't see what you're saying in that there has been an explosion of information and that certain things are kind of being forced out into the open because of that. So, you know, I'm, I'm in the middle on this one. I'm not a binary thinker, as you know. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a tertiary thinker if, at best. <laughs> well, the limit now is, is basically technology. It's the, 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 you know, the only folks that privately can really go and do this stuff in the solar system are corporations, right? Mm -hmm. but, the, but the trend curve of technological cheapness, is that, is that a phrase? I guess it is now, is going in the right direction. So more and more can be done by less and less. And ultimately, we'll be able to, we, this show, you, everybody who's part of this very disparate, you know, collection of rebels can send a private mission to land on the moon, bring back Data's head, or C-3PO, <laughs> whichever you want to talk about it there at Shorty, in Shorty Crater at the Apollo 17 landing site, if they didn't already bring it back, and then de deconstruct it, you know, re-engineer, mm -hmm. re what's that term I'm looking for? Um, Back-engineer it, okay? So this is available now, certainly on the moon, because the moon has enough of a... Uh, minimal gravitational field that with this technology and the cheapness that Musk et al. is providing, you can assemble. I mean, look what the Google Moon Prize was about to do. And then very weirdly, for a major, major corporation, they canceled. Did you hear that, Joseph? They canceled the Google Moon Prize? Yes, I did. All these yeah. groups that are yeah. basically ready by next year, all they had yeah. to have was a few more months extension, and then they would go... Well, and again, Google pulled the rug out from under them. But but that's kind of a QED for the point I'm making here. Let's remember Google's deep But they're deep planning to go by themselves. It didn't matter that Google pulled the rug out, the financial backing. Those groups are still going. Well, again, we'll see if they're able to and if they're able to disclose whatever they find there. You know, How I'm, would I'm they, still... if they're going and they're not 
limited Jeez. to an NDA. And by the Richard, way, Richard, let's and, just agree to disagree. Here. I just well, I I, I want to know this is more than just a predilection on your part that you got real data that the fix is in, and we're never going to know. And I don't think it's possible anymore. Well, it could be. I don't know. Okay, so we will agree to disagree. What should we agree on tonight? You know, do we? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I'm kind of looking at my uh, roster here in Radio with Pictures. Um, what do you think of this whole new sudden NASA scientists are seeking fossils on the public oh, record? Oh, well, gee, you know, this is like you said when you kicked off the program. They're kind of late to the party here. <laughs> <laughs> They're, they're a couple of decades late to the party. Not only that, but they're late to the organism party. They're talking well, microbes, well, and we had yeah. we had spirit data from the spirit rover that I yeah. showed years ago, where they yeah, ground to dust a trilobite. Yeah, yeah you, you had I remember that you had pictures on your website uh, over a decade ago, in some cases two decades ago, of some very strange organic-looking stuff. <laughs> So they're kind of late to the party here, as far as I'm concerned. It's it's uh, the way I read it, Richard. Is they're coming up with, and and this goes to the previous scenario that we just got done discussing. It looks to me like they're coming up with a lot of limited hangout positions. In other words, they're still trying to control the aspects of the narrative that that they think need to be controlled. Now, whether or not they're going to be successful, I don't know. There's still a certain uh, segment of the population that believes everything the government says and you know everything that the lamestream corporate okay let's media let us as they said do never do in the movie let's cross the streams okay <laughs> nasa is offering technical financial and managerial help mm-hmm. for amateur groups that want to put uh, uh cubesats into orbit which means we can go as a group and basically say, with a modicum of financial backing, uh, we want to, you know, send a spacecraft to the moon. How do we well, do it? How do we send a spacecraft to the moon? And they, under law, have to help? Well, here's here's another possible scenario to toss out there while we're thinking about all of this. What if this is their way of having a kind of disclosure event without the government having mm-hmm. to be involved? You got it. <laughs> you know, that's exa- no, now we've that's, agreed on something. Not- that's this is called scenario here. This is called in the wacky, wonderful world of Washington, plausible <laughs> deniability. Ability, that's right. Because <laughs> if someone comes in from the outside and says, "Oh my God, look what's there," then NASA can respond and go back to its data and said, "Oh my gosh, they were right," and <laughs> and appear to have never covered up anything because you know they've been quietly replacing the fake, stupid pictures in the official mm-hmm. NASA archive with real, stunning pictures. Real oh, yes. data? I, I, do, I do know that. That is Let's a look. prelude, I think, for disclosure that may not be Trump sitting behind the Oval Office desk, you know, the Resolute Desk, but may just happen by natural evolution of this democratization process. Well, let's look at something else that I think is a highly significant story. I've blogged about it. I've got another blog coming up this week about it. And that's DARPA and its statement a few years ago that it wanted the United States to be warp capable in 100 years. And then NASA's... Uh, oh, the, the so-called 100-year Starship program. Yeah, the 100-year Starship program. Then you've got NASA doing its warp drive studies under Dr. White, Harold White, 
who recast the the equations for that that uh, Miguel Alcibar published in in um, Journal of Physics, I think it was back in the early '90s. So there's there's been some very interesting developments there, and I blogged about this, and you'll have to wait, I think, until Thursday to read it. But basically, they have now done a 1,600-hour artistic rendition of the ship and i got to thinking well, what you know if yeah, <laughs> well, 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 yeah. describe what that what, what's a 1600 hour you mean uh 1600 artists spent an hour doing it or no, one no, artist no. spent 16 one, art, one artist spent 1600 hours coming up with a design concept based off of his consultations with dr white now what that's telling me 1600 hours how many how many months is that hours that's, how many months that's is a that? Lot. Quick, Chris, Keith, do, do a calculation. How many is 1,600 hours in terms of man years or woman years that's, or days? That's but in what fascinates me here, Richard, is, uh, you know, that's an indicator that they're actually doing serious design study now for this. Well, you and understand that, that once you prove the M drive is real, then relativity goes oh, sure. away. Yeah. Real space drives and real warp capability is possible in the 21st century, not the 23rd. And somebody needs to be looking ahead. It's interesting that somebody actually is to get yep. ready for the inevitable, which will yep. not be government. It will be private because the private sector, think of Tesla and Edison. They will fight it out on this yard line to be the first to send the first interstellar probe to Alpha Centauri, the Russian oligarch notwithstanding. Well, look at it another way. I think what the DARPA NASA projects are indicating is yet again a kind of another limited hangout position. Uh, you know, we have we have the statements of Ben Rich, uh, the former Lockheed Skunk Works uh, chief that that made statements toward the end of his life that in effect, well, we found an error in the equations mm -hmm. and now we can take ET home. You mm -hmm. know? So, so, yeah, I think we're dealing with a lot of limited hangouts here, the EM drive being yet another one. Oh, my um, God. Oh, my God, my God, my God. Keith Morgan just did the calculation. 1,600 hours is 66.66 .66 days, Joseph. <laughs> Isn't that special? Isn't that special? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, you know, I think we're looking at limited hangout positions. What they're what they're gearing up for, it looks to me, is some big, uh, if I can use this overused word, disclosure. And and the disclosure is of technologies I think that are going to transform the world. Uh, we've seen a lot of interesting articles recently appearing about fusion and the progress that's being made in fusion, including Lockheed Martin's patent for. Uh, a little fusion reactor that's literally no bigger than about two meters. Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's it's astonishing. A stuff. tabletop stop, fusion reactor. A table, yeah, tabletop fusion reactor. That's know? amazing. And, well, but you understand that that's only a stopgap for the real hyperdimensional, sure. you know, physics, the real physics of hyperspace, well, which doesn't use any fuel at all. Well, let's remember, Richard, Philo Farnsworth back in 1965 oh and 66 patented and tested two little softball-sized fusion reactors for the International Telegraph, uh, International Telegraph and Telephone uh, Corporation. Take a, take, take a few minutes and talk, because I've heard this, and I've heard this, and I wondered if it was what they used to call an urban legend. 
Oh no, it's quite true. Okay. He gave a he gave a press conference. The patents are there in the U.S. Patent Office. Uh, I show them in uh, my book Nazi International. Uh, basically, what he was doing was was a kind of virtual containment. You know that that actually that actually sustained, if I remember correctly, a fusion reaction for about twenty seconds in this little device, and then it was whisked away along. So with his would have been a his would have been a putt 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 like an IC engine, a fusion IC engine, where you yeah. don't have continuous containment, but you have it in right. sequences of 20 seconds. Right, something like that, yeah. And he was whisked away along with his inventions and never heard from again. Good grief. So, you know, this has been there for quite some time. Have and, you looked at the a, patent? Oh, yes, absolutely. I've, I've got What the was his in. containment and what was his breakthrough? Because yep. if it's in a patent, why isn't everybody doing it? That's the problem. What was the magic sauce? Here's here's the here's the clincher, Richard. If you look at those patents and the diagrams in them, and again, I, I point out to people that I have this in in the Nazi International the, that book. If you look at those patents, the earliest pictures that were shown of the Lockheed Martin fusion reactor oh look eerily similar. <laughs> eerily so similar. it's the purloined letter. They purloined it's his the patent. Purloined letter. Yeah, By the way, the Nazi International is number three on the hit parade in Joseph Farrell's uh, Radio with Pictures comments tonight. There's a cover. You can click on it. Let me click on it. And it takes you to Amazon. What a, what a concept. What a concept. Okay, so yeah, Nazi Look, Joseph has put so many things in these books. If you don't know the Joseph Farrell series, vying for first place with the number of books written in the least amount of time with Isaac Asimov... <laughs> you can see a sampling, just a small sampling. And these are not just, you know, things you toss off. These are really well-researched, well-written, well-documented historical documents. Remember the historical documents in Galaxy Quest? Well, these are the real historical documents. So go go take a look at uh, the, the SS Brotherhood of the Bell and Nazi International. And okay. Nazi International. Yep, yep. Okay, so we've got three minutes at the top of the hour. Our mm-hmm. audience numbers are climbing in our direct <laughs> server. Let me go check uh, TalkStream Live. It's always fun to go and look at TalkStream Live and see, you know, what we're doing in the annual nightly hit parade. Okay, we're number four in their paranormal uh, um, channel. I hate that term, paranormal. And we are, drum roll please, uh, we're number seven on the regular talk stream live channel which will change at the bottom of this coming hour so i'll tell you what we've got about two minutes uh, to the bottom of the hour let's take our break now and then we'll come back and i will do uh, I'm, I'm trying to hit the appropriate switch here um, my guest this morning is dr joseph farrell and we are talking about uh, a potpourri of really important interesting things that will carry you through the morning because this is uh, this is the time to boldly go where someone has gone before.
I want to talk to you in the audience around the planet tonight. I want to talk to you about the kind of meta objectives of the Enterprise Mission and the Other Side of Midnight, this radio show that you're listening to right now. As you know, we have sponsored a number of important research projects through this show over the last couple, three years. We've raised money for electrogravitics, for M-Drive research. Um, we're looking very hard now at this whole orgone accumulator technology. And I want to use the Accutron, this inertial sensor, which I developed following the lead of Bruce De Palma many, many decades ago, to put the Accutron in an orgone situation, in the accumulator or in an orgone blanket, these multi-layered uh, concoctions that somehow seem to trap or densify the ether. And yes, ether's real. There is a physics of the ether. And the problem is that it all costs money. It all costs funds. So we've added a new wrinkle to the Other Side of Midnight website. Over on the left-hand side, if you go to the other side of midnight.com and just look over on the left, you'll see under the uh, banners which say things like home, tonight show, there's a donate button. And there's also some donate buttons in the middle of the page if you uh, happen to get the right show. But mainly over on the left, it says donate now. Normally, I don't like asking folks for money. But money is energy. Money is the ability in this culture to do things, to accomplish things. There is a huge need and necessity for a game changer. We need to bring humanity back together to realize its commonality and not its differences. And that's in part what this show is trying to do with a variety of programs. And part of our research effort is trying to do with a variety of, of uh, projects there. So if you have some spare change, if you have more than spare change, go to that button. Go to the left-hand Donate Now button and click on it and send us what you can spare because communication in the 21st century costs. Everything costs, but communication more than anything costs because you have transmitters and internet connections and bright people and complexity of computers. Oh, my God, complexity of computers it all ultimately has to be paid for somehow. And as you know, you can also join Club 19.5. That's an easy way to support the show because then you get archives, you get seminars, you get this thing we're going to be doing in the next few weeks on how to look at these images. And um, there are ways you can look that will give you insights to what you're seeing that will not be found uh, on NBC or CBS or ABC. So again, go to the left-hand side of tonight's show page or the guest page. Click on the donate button and send us what you can spare because, believe me, every dollar helps. Thanks for listening to this exciting first hour. Now, the second and third hour of the show is available to Club 19.5 members only. Please support the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 and join our very interesting community. To do that, please visit the website, theothersideofmidnight.com, and click on the Join Club 19.5 link in the left-hand column. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll gain access to the rest of this show and all previous 350-plus shows that we have done. Now, recent Club 19.5 member archive recording have the commercials removed and the sound quality has been enhanced. 
You'll also receive a dedicated private podcast feed that contains these enhanced show recordings. And you'll be able to download the MP3 files directly from the archive if you prefer. As a Club 19.5 member, you'll have access to a private chat server that member used to chat about the show during the show, and you will have a direct channel to post a question that will be read on the air to the guest. And you'll have a place to post questions during our open hailing frequencies. We realize that not everyone wants to call in live, and this gives you an easy way to participate in a live show without having to participate. Club 19.5 members can use this private chat to talk about the shows, ask questions, suggest new guests, and I may even pop on from time to time to answer specific questions. Also, the entire Bridge crew is in these participating chat channels, so you can interact with them as well. You'll also be the first to preview our new videos and reports. We'll be adding exclusive new features to Club 19.5 as we go forward, and boy, have we got some amazing things to tell you about in the coming weeks. So please support the show and don't miss all the exciting new things we have planned. I want to thank all our Club 19.5 members because without your guys' support, this show would not be on the air. Please help us continue growing the show by subscribing to Club 19.5 today. And when I say we really need you, we really need you. Over and out. Mm-hmm.